Welcome to Conversations for the Animals. I am Lisa Tynan with Houston Pet Set, and I am joined again by the fabulous Laura Panino with Panino and Partners, founder, of course, of the wonderful uh, PR company. And this is our third episode that we're we're putting together these educational resources for our animal welfare partners, but also for anybody who's in nonprofit or really who has a business. All of this we think is useful. Um, and today we're going to be talking about big issues, right? Crisis communications. And if you have spent any time in animal welfare, you know, there's always a crisis. <laughs> it's a pretty much a perpetual state of crisis. Yeah. Um, I mean, Unfortunately, we're, yeah, we're, and we're in one we right now. We're different. Right. Yeah. So um, what we want to talk about today, first, of course, we're going to reintroduce the fabulous Laura, but we want to talk a little bit about what warrants a crisis communications plan, you know, when you can kind of let something float by versus when you need to take action. And then what some what are some proactive steps to have in place should a crisis arise right. um, so that you're not scrambling and, and caught back on your heels trying to yeah. repair it. Um, so before we get into all of that, reintroduce yourself. Tell a little bit about Panino and, Panino and Partners and what you do and sure. also about your involvement in the rescue community. Oh, yeah. Happy to. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Of course. Um, as I've said a few times, you know, the whole rescue world for me started before I was born. And um, my mom and dad helped animals and people way before I was born. Uh, my dad was criticized for taking the the trash horses off the Aww. track, the ones that were destined for the glue factory. Oh, Joe, you can't take that old nag. And he's like, you know what? I can. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up with retired police horses from the New Orleans Police Department in our paddock, you know, on our farm north of New Orleans. And I grew up where I actually helped my dad to sew up a little chicken who tore its wing, oh, you know, so we did all that. sorts of really little rescue things, um, including he rescued an owl one time wow. and I think a hermit crab. So yeah. it, it was like the whole range, yeah. anything from dogs, cats, goats, horses, pigs, chickens. So all of it. So, um, and, but I got actively involved in working in the rescued pets mm -hmm. um, world in 2008. And I started working with Tina and Tama and um, they helped me to adopt my first Sheltie. And she was a puppy mill mom. Oh. So, um, and since then, um, I've fostered or adopted over 50 animals. Just, I mean, I know a lot of people do a lot more than that, but. That's an incredible number. There's no shit. Yeah, that, that's when I started no counting. Yeah. That, and that doesn't count the seven that live in my house permanently. <laughs> so it's been over 50. And sometimes it's just like getting one little kitty from the neighbor's yard and, and getting my handyman to mm -hmm. adopt it. So um, that's about the animals. And then on the public relations side, my um, background is journalism. So I went to LSU. I graduated from the J School at LSU and then transitioned into PR. And from the PR side, I worked for what is now the largest PR firm in the world called Edelman PR. And then in almost 25 years ago, I started my own firm. And so we work with clients of all types, you know, nonprofits, for-profits, corporate, individuals, um, and 
you know, as we'll discuss maybe later, mm-hmm. um, we're going to be offering some workshops. Yes. For, really, for the rescue community. Really excited about that. That's a very much a stay tuned because, you, you know, you have offered them yeah. before and we're there's been a great it. response. Because while it is beneficial, obviously, to just sit and listen to us gab yeah. on for a little while, yeah. uh, the hands-on and the interactive workshops can be really, really helpful for groups. Um, okay. So to kick off this conversation, I, the the first thing I actually want to to touch on is you mentioned that you are a PR firm. Now, I think a lot of people use marketing and PR interchangeably, but they are not the same thing. Correct. So PR, because this that's really what we're talking about today. Yeah. What is what is public relations? I mean, that's that's really addressing perception of your mm-hmm. company, correct? Yeah. So public relations is a subset of marketing. Marketing is uh, designed to build awareness. And it, there can be many, many components, as you know, Lisa, yeah. you know, advertising, sponsorships, um, direct mail, um, websites, digital marketing, PR, blah, blah, blah. Public relations is a lot about influencing, okay. informing and influencing. Okay. And so that is a lot of what we know these animal welfare groups want to do. Right. Right. That's a huge mission. So that's important. And components of public relations are things like blogs, newsletters, news Mm -hmm. releases, um, website content obviously can play into the whole PR side of things, but a fact sheet on every organization that you work with would be great. A Q and a, all those components would be very important and helpful. Okay. So when, if I'm an organization, which, you know, I work for one, but we're going to, we're going to speak in hypotheticals today. If I'm an organization and I need to know when something rises to the level of a crisis, mm-hmm. where, what is the difference between just an issue, like I said, that you can kind of just let it roll by without addressing mm-hmm. and something that you need to take action for? Okay. So let's start with a couple of examples. Okay. Yes. So, so there are situations mm-hmm. and situations can become an issue Okay, and an issue can become a crisis. So, okay. so what's a situation? A situation is, oh, you know, we've heard that there may be this um, hoarder down the street and we've heard that. Okay. It's not substantiated, right? So it's a situation okay. at that point, right? It's a situation that we've become aware of. Okay. When does that become an issue? Well, the point at which something like that could become an issue is maybe there is a whole neighborhood and somehow this whole neighborhood is maybe anti-animals or maybe they are hoarding, you know, okay. or maybe there's a neighborhood where animals are being poisoned. Okay. So that, so that, that happens would, a lot here. Yeah, yeah. So that could be an issue. The crisis part is where, hmm, we're finding, gosh, what is it? It's like these five neighborhoods all in a row. It's like we're finding all these dead animals. Mm-hmm. That's, I would say that elevates so to a crisis. Scale. It, it, it's scale. Okay. And so it's impact. Who is impacted? Okay. What's the time frame? Is this something that or Harvey, like let's, Hurricane Harvey. <laughs> Just a you know, crisis after crisis. Right. That's right. a great example. What What about all these families that are evacuating mm-hmm. and they've got children and animals and what happens to 
these entire families with their children and their animals? Where do the animals go? Who's mm -hmm. helping to move everybody? Right. Who's helping to feed everyone? Who's helping to make sure that they are, um, you know, going to a, a dry place sure. or a safe place? So okay. that's a major crisis, right? Sure. So if from an organizational standpoint, uh, it, it seems like, you know, if and we can go back to this neighborhood example where if something is going on and we, you know, our organization wants to get involved or somehow we are dragged into it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it feels and this I'm sure a lot of our partners have experienced this. Sometimes there, there are two, in my eyes, main reasons that this could become a crisis for an organization. Number one is the public is unclear on how you are involved, right? Um, whether or not you are doing something. So mm -hmm. maybe you are helping, but it's not it's not been made public. And so people think you are not doing not your doing duties. anything. Yeah. Or when someone who is involved in your organization is at the center of it and maybe misrepresenting you yeah. or doing yes. something improper or saying they're with your organization when they're not. Um, that mm -hmm. happens a lot. <laughs> Unfortunately, we all have T-shirts and people wear their T-shirts yeah. in public. Um, so once once it becomes, you know, the your organization is now directly involved. That's when we have to start addressing these steps. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So so let's just use an example. ABC Pet Rescue. Mm -hmm. Just a fake name. Yes. Right. So AB not affiliated with anybody. ABC not Fake Pet Rescue. ABC Fake Rescue. <laughs> Fake rescue. So let's say volunteer mm -hmm. Susie with ABC Pet Rescue decides to call city council member. Mm -hmm. And Susie, who's a well-known volunteer, does happen to have her ABC mm -hmm. Pet Rescue. And that person is going, you know, I just don't think... Um, I just don't think these neighbors down the street should have their animals. And, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I don't think they're I don't think they are legitimate, responsible pet parents. Right. And and I am on a crusade to change that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's an accusation. Mm -hmm. Right. It, so it's an accusation at that point. And what it's going to look like is the whole organization is making this right. accusation that maybe hasn't been investigated. Right. There's not necessarily any substance to it. There may not be any yeah. substance. And so the association would be, wow, Susie's a spokesperson mm -hmm. for ABC Fake Pet Rescue. Yeah. So what would happen next? Um, right. What would the leaders of this pet rescue do? Right. First of all, like, how do we rein Susie in? Yeah. <laughs> right? Step one. Step one, how we rein <laughs> Susie mm -hmm. in. Step two is what is our statement? Right. You know, um, you know, we are we ABC Pet Rescue are committed to ensuring the safety and well-being of all companion animals in the greater Houston area. Um, it is our responsibility when we hear of an accusation to investigate that. However, at this point, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know. If, let's say, those people mm -hmm. who are accused go to a lawyer and yeah, say, right. wait a minute, I'm filing a lawsuit right. against ABC Pet Rescue. Right. Well, guess what? ABC Pet Rescue needs to call their lawyer in. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, 
you would involve your law, your lawyer mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, what's our statement? Right. What statement? And then you'd want to continue to monitor the situation. Okay. So that's like the early, early steps. Okay. So, and I think, you know, with, with, depending on the size of people's organizations, sometimes it is, you know, they have legal counsel on retainer if you're a, a mm -hmm. big organization, but sometimes it's just reaching out to a friend, mm -hmm. you know, who went to law school. Um, hopefully you don't need to have a lawyer signed on representing right. you unless it goes to some yeah, kind escalates. of escalates to mm -hmm. a trial or anything. Um, so, and, and of course you want to reach out to, if you have legal counsel, but these groups also have boards of directors, right. you have, uh, you know, executives involved. When do they need to be pulled in? Should they be pulled in from the start? Should it be dealt yeah. with as much as you can and only bother them? It's usually good to give your legal counsel, whether it's a volunteer lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, and, and by the way, there are many groups that do volunteer. Houston has a volunteer lawyers group. Oh, that's great to know. Yeah, Houston volunteer lawyers. So it is very good to mm -hmm. just give the heads up, mm -hmm. hey, this situation mm -hmm. has arisen. Or, hmm, this, this newscast has aired. Mm -hmm. uh, or the story has been written and we're implicated in it. Okay. And the sooner, the better. Okay. So you mentioned, you know, the in this scenario with ABC Fake Pet Rescue, for example, um, I'm going to get a T-shirt made. Of I that. know that. Now I kind of want to wear that. I know. I just made it up. <laughs> so this, in this case, you know, this is a person who has represented themselves as the spokesperson, whether intentionally or not. Right. It's implied. It, right. It's implied. So who should be? The spokesperson who should a group have somebody kind yes. of on standby should everybody be allowed to represent them i know i have worked for some large organizations where they say unless your title is you know media this or outreach that you do not talk to anybody you do not rep publicly represent the organization in any way other than wearing a shirt you know mm -hmm. where and i'm sure there's stuff there's right. layers in between that. But who should be the spokesperson? How many should there be? Yeah, that's a really good question, Lisa. And my suggestion is there should always be a primary okay. and a secondary. Okay. So the primary needs to be either the president okay. or vice president or the media marketing community engagement person. Okay. Right. Those are the best equipped. Um, and let's say the organization is very large. And mm -hmm. so, you know, a larger organization or a situation where, you know, the top leaders are out of the country or they're, right. you know, or they're saying, hey, you know, I, I trust you, Lisa, you're, mm -hmm. you're really great with this. I trust you, you know, call me in if you need me, but I'm going to trust you. Okay. So what is important is that that spokesperson has all the facts. Right. And the talking points. Um, so that's one part. But going back to what you said mm -hmm. about, well, what if all the volunteers, what happens if you're at an adoption event, right. right? So let's say there's an adoption event and you've got all these volunteers and the news station comes, hey, Jackie, <laughs> how do you feel about volunteering? Yeah. So in that situation, and, and again, that's not necessarily a crisis, sure. but, but it is about media relations policies. Mm -hmm. what, what my suggestion would be is before any major event, where you can have volunteers or sponsors have a little briefing. Yeah. Hey, this is these are some questions you might get asked. You know, if you do get asked a question because you're a volunteer and they want to know about your volunteer experience, 
you know, by all means, if you're comfortable talking about it, great. If not, just say, hey, you know, Anne over there Mm -hmm. has been volunteering longer than me. Anne's a better spokesperson for you. Yeah. It's so, okay to pass it off if you don't It's okay feel to pass it right. off. And and I think back to the policies, especially in a crisis situation, mm-hmm. um, whether it's hoarding or an animal abuse situation or just saying, you know, why, why aren't you going to get animals off the euthanasia list more? Mm-hmm. Why don't you have buses out there ready? Right. You know, why aren't you doing more? So if you get these accusations, it's like, how do you control who gets to talk? And that's mm-hmm. where the more serious the situation, the better it is to, to tighten it down. Yes, to, to button that mm-hmm. up. Um, so you mentioned policies. Obviously, if you are an organization who is out in the community a lot or who is f- just very active publicly, it's pretty important to just assume someday a crisis is going to arise and to have policies in place, right? So what what do those policies look like? And the example I'll give, because this has happened to every organization I have ever worked for, um, where an an animal's health or well-being is unintentionally impacted. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you work with someone who has vet services where either a pet unfortunately passes away during surgery or something happens to that animal where the outcome is that they are suffering or... You know, there I, I've worked for large organizations where there are public cruelty cases where the animal is not able to be rehabilitated and has to be euthanized. Right. And the backlash can be one person throwing a fit on social media. It can be protests marching down right. the street. Right. So having something in place mm-hmm. for uh, even situations that you can't in your wildest dreams can't imagine. <laughs> right. Having a situ- a policy in place yeah. is good practice. So what is a policy like that? look like so so i would definitely recommend having a mini plan okay even if it's just 10 pages initially even if it's just a little powerpoint so number one is have a policy Mm -hmm. what is that policy it it does not it defines who is going to speak in a in a situation Mm -hmm. to the media or to volunteers or to community or, you know, anybody like who is going to be the spokesperson, then who's going to be responsible for helping to get all that information together. You know, maybe it's a board, maybe it's um, the internal marketing and PR people, but Mm -hmm. in that policy, you want everyone's name, email, affiliation with your organization and mobile number. Okay. It's really important because if something happens, it's not go, oh, well, let me wait till that person gets back from vacation. Right. It's it's a now. Yeah. So it's like how how to activate the okay. team, right? Okay. Who's who's your core team? I'm actually working on this with one of our clients oh, right great. now. So so um, it's fresh on your it's mind. It's fresh <laughs> on my mind. So it's great to have a core team established okay. and that phone list so that that's right away available. The very first line is contact Susie, mm-hmm. contact Joanne, contact Alexander, whoever. Mm-hmm. That is number one front and center. The other thing that I see happening a lot, and this is where it's important too, on websites, more and more people are not putting phone numbers. In mm-hmm. email addresses, people mm-hmm. are not putting phone numbers. Why is that a problem? 
they don't know who to reach if you they want a statement from you. And if they need if they want a statement and yeah. you don't oh, we attempted to contact ABC Pet Rescue and no one responded. Yep. That's so what gets published. That's exactly right. what gets published. And and we had a situation with that with a real high tech client where um the reporter called into the main number. Yeah. Never called our PR firm, never called the marketing department, and the response that got or the message that got published was client X was not available, but but the message never got to the right people. Right. And that what that looks like often is that, you know, they did not make themselves available for comment is like they are. It's it's almost like denial by omission. Yeah, there, it's it regardless of what you are accused of or involved with. If you, quote unquote, refuse to comment, people assume that you're or guilty. there's a perception that you right. didn't comment or and right. when maybe you never even got the message. Exactly. Um, so my suggestion on that, going back to your policy, mm-hmm. it, it play it dovetails. So mm-hmm. so on everyone's website or on everyone's Facebook page, if you are a member of the media and you have an urgent or time sensitive need, please contact Person, phone number, email. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, oh, I don't want an email. I don't want a call. Take it. Yeah. You're better off taking that call. Oh, yes. And and the way to, <laughs> the way to and we're going to do another, you know, spokesperson mm-hmm. program um, or media relations program in the future. Mm-hmm. But one of the ways that you can give yourself a little bit more time in a crisis situation. So let's say the Houston Chronicle calls and says, Lisa, I need a statement. Yep. I need, I, I want to interview you. You know, yes, I'm happy to help you. Mm-hmm. Can I, I'm in, I'm in the middle of something right now. Mm-hmm. Can I call you? What's your deadline? Can I call you back yes. in 15 minutes? I promise I will, but I just need 15 minutes. And what yeah. that gives you a chance to do is whew, go gather, mm-hmm. gather your and thoughts. Put your talking points together. Mm-hmm. And that's another, so I, that's, I just led myself. That was a transition. Talking points. So having part of your policy should be maybe having just standard talking points for potential scenarios that exactly. could arise, right? And one of the benefits of having literal printed out or, you know, digital talking points is that it doesn't matter who is speaking or who's right. available to speak. It's a party line. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You send you can send a link and say, the this is our company stance. This is what you exactly. need to say. And exactly. that way someone who is speaking on your behalf, whether it's your president or it's a volunteer who has been given the okay, mm-hmm. they have explicit talking points that they can address Correction. and if, mm-hmm. if it goes outside of that you can say you know I'm, I'm unable to to comment on that or or I don't have that information right. or it's premature mm-hmm. so a, a, a real life scenario that I can share this um, many years ago I think it was 2003 um, I had been in a meeting with one of my clients who um, owned a law firm and he said oh you know I said oh if you guys ever need help mm-hmm. issues in crisis community oh our clients are small, privately held. They're not public facing. Right. A lot of them are business to business behind the scenes. Literally two weeks later, <laughs> two weeks later, I just gotten out of a yoga class and I was in my yoga outfit, my sweatshirt and all ratty. And my client calls and he says, uh, how fast can you get to Rocheron, Texas? And I went, Uh-oh. I think I said, I don't even know where Rocher in Texas. I, I didn't know where it was <laughs> at the time. That's where our producer is yeah, from. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know where it was at the time. And I was like, oh, let me let me see. So it was 
45 minutes away from where I was. And I, and he said, well, have you, have you seen it? It's like there was this plant explosion. It's oh, an underwater no. wastewater um, disposal facility in Rosharon, Texas. And I mean, this is all in the public record. And right. so um, I forgot the name of the actual place, but it was a, a privately owned ranch. And the Texas Railroad Commission allows underwater underground disposal of brine from the oil field. Oh, it's no. oil field waste and it's allowed. Well, typically it's innocuous. However, what came in to the facility on the manifest was different than what was actually in the tank to be unloaded. So when the workers started to unload this, what was supposed to be brine, that's not what it was. Oh, no. And it was combustive. <gasps> and so it blew up. Oh no. It instantly killed two people, badly burned five. Oh God. And um, and then one of the five that was badly burned did die. And so some of them went by life flight. Some of the others, the owner's sister, just put them in her car and flew as fast as she could to the hospital. And so my lawyer client is going, you know, Laura, Laura, but you know, you think we should get, let's say, Joe, that's mm -hmm. not his name, the <laughs> owner. But let's, do you think we should get Joe on TV? And I said, absolutely not. I said, he just saw, first of all, he doesn't do this right. all the time. Secondly, he just saw his people killed right. in front of his eyes. Right. I said, the man has to be in shock because I know I would be. I said, absolutely not. I said, I'm happy. And I, they were, they were not my client except right then. Yeah. So I said, there's three things we're going to say, and this is it. Our thoughts are with the victims mm -hmm. and their families. It is premature to determine the cause of the accident, mm -hmm. and we are cooperating fully with investigators. Mm -hmm. That is it. And um, a certain ABC 13 reporter <laughs> kept sticking the microphone in my face and kept asking me, and I kept saying, I said, that's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got. Yeah. And it was very intense for about 72 hours. Like I slept with a clipboard and my phone and a pen and paper in my bed. PR is not for the faint no. of heart. Good gracious. No, and at four o'clock in the morning, and I knew it, and I set my alarm for four o'clock because I knew that the morning news reporters mm -hmm. were going to get into the station and need the morning condition report. Right. So I was ready for them. I'm like, okay. You know, so we'd have to call the hospitals and check on the condition yeah. of the people. So that is that is intense. It was very I mean, intense. And you know what, though? it It's not the same because humans and animals have different place in our society. But in animal welfare, we do deal a lot in life and death. And there are crises that surround it. And so it's, you know, if you can put yourself in a place where, like, imagine that you are in that kind of emergency situation, do you feel prepared if somebody sticks a microphone in your face? Yeah. And and the thing that I can think of, you know, especially right now, we've got the heat, mm -hmm. right? And so what happens if, you know, there's a suburban full of dogs and cats mm -hmm. and you see this big suburban full of dogs and cats and there's no AC running, mm -hmm. there's no human in there. Well, that is, um, that, well, That's it's an emergency. It's an emergency, <laughs> yeah. right? And so what if a passerby calls and says, well, I know that, you know, um, bark should come out. Mm -hmm. 
well, then what if Bark is on the scene? That is a crisis situation, mm-hmm. right? But who for Bark, who would, who from Bark would be the right person? Right. And it might be an animal cruelty officer mm-hmm. who would come in and talk about that too. But that's right. just an example, right? right? It would be like, depending on what the situation is, who might rotate in and out of that spokesperson and people, role. Right, people would want to hear from someone who seems like they might be an expert in whatever they're talking about. Yeah, and somebody might like, because I just looked this up recently about what can you do. Mm -hmm. And in Texas, we can break a window Mm -hmm. if we have to break a window. You won't be charged for any kind of civil crime Mm -hmm. if you do that. Now, they do recommend call depending on how urgent the situation is yeah. either calling the animal cruelty yeah. but if if you know you can call the SPCA or you can call the Harris County Task Force if the animal's in distress you yeah, can't see it panning yep, or whatever yeah. you can call 911 and if it looks like it's dire. actively dire you can break the window now you won't you won't be charged they're not saying yeah everyone break car windows yeah. but you won't be charged right we i actually had to look that up too recently cuz someone asked me about that so we're talking about all of these crises that could arise. Obviously, not all of them are going to be that kind of emergent situation where somebody calls you and tells you they're happening. Sometimes you don't even know right. that someone is talking about your, someone has accused your organization of something. What is the best way to keep track of that, to, to make sure that your name is always held in the highest regard in your community? There, there are a few ways. So one, obviously, is to set up Google alerts. We, I have so many Google alerts <laughs> set up that I get on my phone. <laughs> yeah. So that's one way. And another is for someone to actively monitor your your social media okay. channels and, and see. And then that's another. We talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Like, what if there's a negative comment, you know, and it's unfounded? Right. Um, you know, sometimes you just want to maybe take down that comment, mm-hmm. you, you know, send that person a note and say, hey, I'll, I'll respond to you privately yes. and then take down the comment. Um, I know that sounds drastic, but mm-hmm. sometimes that's what you have to do. Um, the other thing that's important is to do, you know, to the ex- let's say it's a larger group, mm-hmm. survey the volunteers. Mm. What what's the feedback from the volunteers? What is your perception okay. of our organization? Survey the board members. Mm-hmm. Survey the volunteer uh, the sponsors. Mm-hmm. Survey the community partners. If you have community partners, what what are what are their perceptions? Because that's a wide net. It's You're a wider net, there. and you can then determine hmm if they're saying that our group doesn't do enough of mm-hmm. or you know, is accusing us of maybe getting involved in too much, right? Mm -hmm. It can be be either way. It can be not doing enough or doing too much of. And we all know that it's never enough in in this world. You know, it's it's never enough. Yep. So that would be, those would be a few ways. Okay. Yeah. And Google alerts are free. It's not like you have to pay Mm -hmm. for any kind of service. So that's, you can put in your organization's name. Um, you can put in the names of your public-facing people mm-hmm. if you have, you know, Houston Pets at. We have Tina and Tama. Everybody knows them. I have Google Alerts set up for them, so I always know if anyone is going to say anything about my co-presidents, I want to know. You can we see. We never have anybody say anything bad about them, obviously. But I know, and I constantly have this feed coming in. It's really easy to set up. Um, um, one quick other thing, and this is... Um, there are services, monitoring services. Okay. So for, I think we've done some reports mm-hmm. for you guys. Yes. Um, and for us, it costs us as a firm, um, how much does it cost us? 6000 a year? Woo. 
Yeah, and that's cheap. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but if any of the groups listening need some of that, I mean, we could give people like a bargain basement deal that's on doing awesome. some monitoring. And what's great is you can set a parameter. You can say, mm-hmm. I want to see what has been written about us from January 1st to July 13th. Right. And then it won't be completely comprehensive, but what's great about it is you'll get the full report and you can read through and go, hmm, this was good, this was good, and this was negative. Yeah. And then you can go, wow, I can go back and look at who wrote that article mm-hmm. or who who aired a story and may have the wrong idea. Yeah. And then even if you see someone who has written something or uh, aired something that is not correct, even how how you handle that is important. Like, hey, Johnny, I saw that this article was published. It's it's not exactly factual. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd like to send you a document that outlines the facts. And in the future, if you need our help, we're available. We're here to help you. So. But sometimes there are those runarounds and, yeah. and there's no interview, but just somebody's written something. Someone, right. So, and, and you bring up a really valuable point. I think we have in Houston, we are lucky to have quite a few um, newscasters, journalists who are very supportive of animal welfare and do incredible stories talking about what's happening and what all of our partners are doing and working on. Um, those relationships are valuable to have, not just for helping get the word out, but for reaching out and clarifying something or correcting right. the record. Um, but even if you don't have those relationships, I don't, I don't, people may or may not know this, but at the bottom of almost every online article, it says, you know, to issue any corrections, send an right. email to this. If you're, if you don't Something's have a contact, right. yeah. you can absolutely, you don't have to sit there and just take it and say, well, they, yeah. they got our entire mission wrong and all of our numbers are wrong. Oh, well, you can absolutely. And if they are a good outlet, they will issue a retraction and well, they'll or fix a clarification. Or a clarification. Yeah. So it's worth monitoring to make sure that the public record is correct about your organization mm-hmm. and the work that you're doing. And one other thing. So let's say any any organization, maybe there's been something like an overarching negative view mm-hmm. of that organization. And we all know that that happens. happens. Um, there are ways that as an organization, you can request an editorial board visit. Let's mm. say if it's the Houston Chronicle, you can say, hey, I'd like to meet with the editors and, and just lay out our mission, tell you here's what we do. Oh, by the way, could we contribute an article? Yeah. And that isn't always the case, but it's possible. Absolutely. And you can always submit an mm-hmm. editorial to any paper. And yeah, or they, a letter to the editor. Letter, yeah. Um, the, other th- the other thing that a lot of these, your groups definitely should know about is public service announcements mm-hmm. are free. Okay. Those are free. And so let's say there is a lot of, you know, buzz about heat and animals. Well, and and not necessarily saying that your group has done anything wrong with that, but just keep doing the positive work right. so that when something negative happens, you have a nice um, stockpile of yes. goodwill. Absolutely. Absolutely. So once to, to, to bring it all to a close, once the crisis has passed, because while in the moment it can feel like this is the end, you know, we're never getting through this. Usually, barring any extreme circumstances, the crisis does pass. What 
what's the next step? You you know, you've done your interviews, you've been on TV or radio and you've clarified right. or you have issued a, a social media statement that you have posted. What happens, you know, a day or two after you've cleared that, what you call the danger zone? Yeah, that's where continuing to monitor the situation, okay. what's been written is good. The other thing is to identify, hmm, where else maybe we be vulnerable. Okay. And so going back to your policy, what's great is if you can outline different scenarios. So one scenario might be a natural disaster. Mm -hmm. One might be a fire. That's, you know, we see that happening. Barn yep. fires, yep. right? Or we're seeing that a clinic is on fire. Yep. Or, um, a or a shelter gets shelter. hit by a tornado, which just happened. <laughs> it happened in Pasadena, <laughs> right. right? Really bad. Yeah. <coughs> None of their doing. Nope. Act of nature. Mm -hmm. um, so, but if you can outline these scenarios, so what if, you know, God forbid, animals turn on a rescuer mm -hmm. and badly hurt that rescuer or kill it. the rescuer, yep. right? I mean, so to have these different scenarios laid out, mm -hmm. um, injury to injury or death of a major uh, officer of Some an organization. organization. Okay. And it could even be a train, like the a train, a train wreck. That happened with one of our clients. The president of one of our client companies got got killed by a train. Oh my God. He, he was, we don't know what he was doing in his car on the tracks, but he did. Wow. We don't know. Like we never got the whole story, but it was like the company president mm -hmm. got hit, his car. And got you hit have by to a make train. a statement about that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So that kind of stuff, just to outline those scenarios and then have that in your policy book and mm -hmm. your procedures book. And then you would have sample little statements. It can even be fill in the blank. Yep. And what's what's not nice, but what is you know helpful about going through an experience like that is that now you have you know exactly what worked and what didn't work, and you can put that on right. paper, not just in you know your your corporate knowledge in your brain. You put it on right. paper that way, if and when you ever leave the organization, anyone who comes you after you, they have learned from mm -hmm. your exactly. trials and tribulations. I mean, and Lisa, you brought up a good point. Um, one of the things that can be done after, so you're past the heat, mm -hmm. um, it would be great to do a debrief. Yep. We call them the post-mortem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sounds to, terrible, but really, but true. you got to sit down and say, what happened? Yeah. What happened? How did we address that? What are we more aware of? What else? Where else are we vulnerable? Mm -hmm. Who are our supporters and who are our detractors? And if yes. you n do that while it's all fresh in your head, mm -hmm. that's a good thing. And and write it down. I can't mm -hmm. stress that enough because, you know, we're especially in the animal welfare and in the nonprofit world, there is staff turnover. That's oh, yeah. just a reality of how we work. And if you have all of this incredibly beneficial knowledge because you experienced everything and you take it with you and you didn't leave it for the people who come after you, you've done them a great disservice. So it feels weird to actually like write stuff down and print it out in our digital age, but having an actual physical binder can be so valuable. It's really, it is good. It's tangible and you can look at it and put your hands on it and feel like they're, you're, you're absorbing that knowledge. Exactly. Um, this, we went, we went long because this is such an incredibly important topic for everybody who we work with. I mean, I, I can't think of a group who has skated through scot-free, <laughs> 
without yeah. anybody getting mad at them in this industry. So um, this is really, really valuable. And and as Laura said, we are planning to sometime in the fall after our soiree, um, we're going to put together a workshop. We'll determine whether it's virtual or in person, um, but it will be open to our partners to come in. It'll be free because Laura and Panino and Partners has been so gracious to donate we'll this, these services yeah. where you can come and you can learn crisis communications, you know, we're, we're going to talk in our next Sim, episode right. about media and, and some sample media training. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And all of this is incredibly valuable because like you said, you know, we want to be prepared for a crisis, but you also always want to be out in front and showing the good that you're the doing. The good, the good work. Because you, we are doing so much good. I say we, but we collectively yeah. in animal welfare. The thousands um, and thousands of yes, people. Yes, absolutely. So again, thank you for your Glad to be depth here. of knowledge here. Thank this you is, for all you guys do. I mean, oh, it's just a lot. We, it's a labor of love, but we all, we know we can't do yeah. anything else. You know, this is what we do. So we are going to be back with Laura for one more episode and we'll also be uh, coming to you with more information about those, the, the in-person uh, training. So thank you again for tuning in to Conversations for the Animals. We will see you next time.